Chapter forty five of the Egoist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Egoist, a comedy in narrative by George Meredith. Chapter forty five. The Patern ladies, Mr. Dale, Lady Bush, and Lady Culmer, with Mrs. Mountain Stuart Jenkinson. Lady Bush and Lady Culmer entered spying to right and left. At the sight of Mr. Dale in the room, Lady Bush murmured to her friend, Confirmation. Lady Culmer murmured, Coney is quite reliable. The man is his own best tonic. He is invaluable for the country. Miss Eleanor and Miss Isabel greeted them. The amiability of the Patern ladies, combined with their total eclipse behind their illustrious nephew, invited enterprising women of the world to take liberties, and they were not backward. Lady Bush said, Well, the news, we have the outlines. Don't be astonished. We know the points. We've heard the gun. I could have told you as much yesterday. I saw it and I guessed it the day before. Oh, I do believe in fatalities now. Lady Culmer and I agree to take that view. It is the simplest. Well, and are you satisfied, my dears? The ladies grimaced interrogatively. With what? With it? With all? With her? With him? Our Willoughby? Can it be possible that they require a dose of corny? Lady Bush remarked to Lady Culmer. They play discretion to perfection, said Lady Culmer. But, my dears, we are in the secret. How did she behave? whispered Lady Bush. No high flights and flutters, I do hope. She was well connected, they say, though I don't comprehend what they mean by a line of scholars. One thinks of a row of pinafores, and she was pretty. That is well enough at the start. It never will stand against brains. He had the two in the house to contrast them, and uh, the result? A young woman with brains in a house beats all your beauties. Lady Culmer and I have determined on that view. He thought her a delightful partner for a dance, and found her rather tiresome at the end of the gallopade. I saw it yesterday, clear as daylight. She did not understand him, and he did not understand her. That will be our report. She is young, she will learn, said the ladies uneasily, but in total ignorance of her meaning. And you are charitable, and always were. I remember you had a good word for that girl, Durham. Lady Bush crossed the room to Mr. Dale who was turning over leaves of a grand book of the heraldic devices of our great families. "'Study it,' she said. "'Study it, my dear Mr. Dale. You are in it by right of possessing a clever and accomplished daughter. At page three hundred you will find the patern crest. And mark me, she will drag you into the peerage before she has done. Relatively, you know.' Sir Willoughby and wife will not be contented to sit down and manage the estates. Has not Letitia immense ambition? 
and very creditable, I say. Mr. Dale tried to protest something. He shut the book, examining the binding, flapped the cover with a finger, hoped her ladyship was in good health, alluded to his own, and the strangest of the bird out of the cage. You will probably take up your residence here in a larger and handsomer cage, Mr. Dale. He shook his head. Do I apprend, he said. I know, said she. Dear me, can it be? Mr. Dales gazed upward with the feelings of one awakened late to see a world alive in broad daylight. Lady Bush dropped her voice. She took the liberty permitted to her with an inferior in station, while treating him to a tone of familiarity in acknowledgment of his expected rise, which is high breeding, or the exact measurement of his social dues. Letitia will be happy, you may be sure. I love to see a long and faithful attachment rewarded. Love it. Her tale is the triumph of patience, far above Grissel. No woman will be ashamed of pointing to Lady Patern. You are uncertain? You are in doubt? Let me hear, as slow as you like. But there is no doubt of the new shifting of the scene? No doubt of the proposal? Dear Mr. Dale, a very little louder. You are here because? Of course you wish to see Sir Willoughby. She? I did not catch you quite. She? It seems you say? Lady Culmer said to the Patern ladies, You must have had a distressing time. These affairs always mount up to a climax unless people are very well bred. We saw it coming. Naturally, we did not expect such a transformation of brides. Who could? If I had laid myself down on my back to think, I should have had it. I am unerring when I set to speculating on my back. One is cooler. Ideas come. They have not to be forced. That is why I am brighter on a dull winter afternoon on the sofa beside my tea service than at any other season. However, your trouble is over. When did the Middletons leave? The Middletons leave, said the ladies. Dr. Middleton and his daughter. They have not left us. The Middletons are here. They are here, yes. Why should they have left Patern? Why? Yes, they are likely to stay some days longer. Goodness! There is no ground for any report to the contrary, Lady Calmer. No ground, Lady Calmer called out to Lady Bush. A cry came back from that startled dame. She has refused him. Who? She has. She, Sir Willoughby, refused, declines the honour. Oh, never. No, that carries the incredible beyond romance. But is he perfectly at? Quiet, it seems, and she was asked in due form and refused. No, and no again. My dear, I have it from Mr. Dale. Mr. Dale, what can be the signification of her conduct? Indeed, Lady Calmer, said Mr. Dale, not unpleasantly agitated by the interest he excited in spite of his astonishment at a public discussion of the matter in this house. I am in the dark. 
Her father should know, but I do not. Her door is locked to me. I have not seen her. I am absolutely in the dark. I am a recluse. I have forgotten the ways of the world. I should have supposed her father would first have been addressed. Tut, tut, modern gentlemen are not so formal. They are creatures of impulse and take a pride in it. He spoke. We settled that. But where did you get this tale of a refusal? I have it from Dr. Middleton. From Dr. Middleton? shouted Lady Bush. The Middletons are here, said Lady Calmer. What world are we in? Lady Bush got up, ran two or three steps, and seated herself in another chair. Oh, do let us proceed upon system. If not, we shall presently be raging. We shall be dangerous. The Middletons are here, and Dr. Middleton himself communicates to Mr. Dale that Letitia Dale has refused the hand of Sir Willoughby, who is ostensibly engaged to his own daughter. And pray, Mr. Dale, how did Dr. Middleton speak of it? Compose yourself. There is no violent hurry. Though our sympathy with you and our interest in all the parties does perhaps agitate us a little, quite at your leisure, speak. Madame, uh, Lady Bush, Mr. Dale gulped a ball in his throat. I see no reason why I should not speak. I do not see how I can have been deluded. The Miss Paterns heard him. Dr. Middleton began upon it, not I. I was unaware, when I came, that it was a refusal. I had been informed that there was a proposal. My authority for the tale was positive. The object of my visit was to assure myself of the integrity of my daughter's conduct. She had always the highest sense of honour, but passion is known to mislead, and there was this most strange report. I fear that our humblest apologies were due to Dr. Middleton and his daughter. I know the charm Letitia can exercise. Madam, in the plainest language, without a possibility of my misapprehending him, Dr. Middleton spoke of himself as the advocate of the suitor for my daughter's hand. I have a poor head. I supposed at once an amicable rupture between Sir Willoughby and Miss Middleton or that the version which had reached me of their engagement was not strictly accurate. My head is weak. Dr. Middleton's language is trying to a head like mine, but I can speak positively on the essential points. He spoke of himself as ready to be impassioned advocate for the suitor for my daughter's hand. Those were his words. I understood him to entreat me to intercede with her. Nay, the name was mentioned. There was no concealment. I am certain there could not be a misapprehension, and my feelings were touched by his anxiety for Sir Willoughby's happiness. I attributed it to a sentiment upon which I need not dwell. Impassioned advocate, he said. We are in a perfect maelstrom, cried Lady Bush, turning to everybody. It's a complete hurricane cried Lady Calmer. A light broke over the faces of the Patern ladies. They exchanged it with one another. They had been so shocked as to be almost offended by Lady Bush, but their natural gentleness and habitual submission rendered them unequal to the task of checking her. "'Is it not?' said Miss Eleanor, 
a misunderstanding that a change of name will rectify this is by no means the first occasion said miss isabel that willoughby has pleaded for his cousin vernon we deplore extremely the painful error into which mr dale has fallen it springs we now perceive from an entire misapprehension of dr middleton vernon was in his mind it was clear to us impossible that it could have been willoughby you see the impossibility the error and the middletons here said lady bush oh if we leave unilluminated we shall be the laughing-stock of the county mr dale please wake up do you see you have been mistaken lady bush he woke up i may have mistaken dr middleton he has a language that i can compare to a review day of the field forces but i have the story on authority that i cannot question it is confirmed by my daughter's unexampled behaviour and if i live through this day i shall look about me as a ghost to-morrow dear mr dale said the patern ladies compassionately lady bush murmured to them you know the two did not agree they did not get on i saw it i predicted it she will understand him in time said they never and my belief is they have parted by consent and letty dale wins the day at last yes now i do believe it the ladies maintained a decided negative but they knew too much not to feel perplexed and they betrayed it though they said dear lady bush is it credible in decency dear mrs mountstuart lady bush invoked her great rival appearing among them you come most opportunely we are in a state of inextricable confusion we are bordering on frenzy you and none but you can help us you know you always know we hang on you is there any truth in it a particle mrs mountstuart seated herself regally ah mr dale she said inclined to him yes dear lady bush there is a particle now do not roast us you can you have the art i have the whole story that is i have a part i mean i have the outlines i cannot be deceived but you can fill them in i know you can i saw it yesterday now tell us tell us it must be quite true or utterly false which is it be precise his fatality you called her yes i was sceptical but here we have it all come round again and if he the tale is true i shall own you infallible has he and she both and the middletons here they have not gone they keep the field and more astounding she refuses him and to add to it dr middleton intercedes with mr dale for sir willoughby dr middleton intercedes this was rather astonishing to mrs mountstuart for vernon for vernon miss eleanor emphasized for vernon whitford his cousin said miss isabel still more emphatically oh said mrs mountstuart with a sovereign lift and turn of her head speaks of a refusal i have it from mr dale said lady bush 
"'I had it, I thought, distinctly from Dr. Middleton,' said Mr. Dale. "'That Willoughby proposed to Letitia for his cousin Vernon, Dr. Middleton meant,' said Miss Eleanor. Her sister followed. "'Hence this really ridiculous misconception. Sad, indeed,' she added for balm to Mr. Dale. "'Willoughby was Vernon's proxy. His cousin, if not his first, is ever the second thought with him.' "'But can we continue such a discussion?' Mrs. Mountstuart gave them a judicial hearing. They were regarded in the country as the most indulgent of non-entities, and she as little as Lady Bush was restrained from the burning topic in their presence. She pronounced, "'Each party is right, and each is wrong.' A dry, "'I shall shriek!' came from lady bush cruel groaned lady calmer mixed you are all wrong disentangled you are each of your right sir willoughby does think of his cousin vernon he is anxious to establish him he is the author of a proposal to that effect we know it the patern ladies exclaimed and letitia rejected poor vernon once more who spoke of Miss Dale's rejection of Mr. Whitford? Is he not rejected? Lady Calmer inquired. It is in debate, and at this moment being decided. Oh, do be seated, Mr. Dale, Lady Bush implored him, rising to thrust him back to his chair if necessary. Any dislocation and we are thrown out again. We must hold together if this riddle is ever to be read. Then, dear Mrs. Mountstuart, we are to say that there is no truth in the other story. You are to say nothing of the sort, dear Lady Bush. Be merciful, and what of the fertility, as positive as the pole to the needle. She has not refused him. Ask your own sagacity. Accept it. Wait. And all the world's ahead of me. Now, Mrs. Mountstuart, you are the oracle. Riddles, if you like, only speak. If we can't have corn, why give us husks? Is any of us able to anticipate events, Lady Bush? Yes, I believe that you are. I bow to you. I do sincerely. So it is another person for Mr. Whitford? You nod. And it is our Letitia for Sir Willoughby? You smile. You would not deceive me? A very little, and I run about crazed and howl at your doors. And Dr. Middleton is made to play blind man in the midst? And the other person is? Now I see day, an amicable rupture, and a smooth new arrangement. She has money. She was never the match for our hero. Never. I saw it yesterday, and before often and so he hands her over to thrum tum tum to thrum tum tum lady bush struck a quick march on her knee now isn't that clever guessing the shadow of a clue for me and because i know human nature one peep and i see the combination in a minute so he keeps the money in the family, becomes a benefactor to his cousin by getting rid of the girl, and succumbs to his fatality. 
Rather a pity he let it ebb and flow so long. Time counts the tides, you know, but it improves the story. I defy any other county in the kingdom to produce one fresh and living to equal it. Let me tell you, I suspected Mr. Whitford, and I hinted it yesterday. Did you indeed? said Mrs. Mountstuart, humouring her excessive acuteness. I really did. There is that dear good man on his feet again, and looks agitated again. Mr. Dale had been compelled both by the lady's voice and his interest in the subject to listen. He had listened more than enough. He was exceedingly nervous. He held on by his chair, afraid to quit his moorings, and manners, he said to himself unconsciously aloud, as he cogitated on the libertine way with which these chartered great ladies of the district discussed his daughter. He was heard and unnoticed. The supposition, if any, would have been that he was admonishing himself. At this juncture Sir Willoughby entered the drawing-room by the garden window, and simultaneously Dr. Middleton by the door. End of chapter 45 Read by Lars Rolander